It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. It's all true. Every bit of it. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hope, hope you're doing well. Um, you know, it's been a very, it's been a very difficult, uh, you know, 11 months or so, the pandemic. Uh, it's caused so much pain and suffering, but uh, there's some good news. Good news. We cured the flu. Yeah, influenza. We cured it. I'll have details in a minute. want to thank, first off, our patrons to the program, such as Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Timbo, Richard, Bill, Robin, Andy, John, and Billy. Uh, couldn't do the show without you guys. Thank you very much for the support. They became patrons just by going over to the PeteCallenerShow.com. They clicked on the link at the top. They looked at the various options, the levels of support. They chose one, and then they got exclusive content and uh, access to the live streams, and they get the sweet, sweet merchandise. Well, just the bumper stickers, actually. Uh, although, they got magnets, too, this year. So I know it's the old radio guy in me. We give away swag. It's what we do. Uh, so if you want to become a patron, head on over to the PeteCallenderShow.com. So, yeah, new year and um, still got the COVID going on, obviously. But influenza apparently has been uh, largely solved, has been largely eradicated. Uh, what a year. And, uh, oh, speaking of uh, the new year, you know that there is a... Uh, New Year's uh, sleep sale going on right now at Mattress Man. It's true. Uh, The New Year's sleep sale, start the new year off right with better sleep. It matters so much. If you're not getting at least seven hours of sleep every night and it's due to a lumpy mattress or a sagging mattress, uh, like when you get on the bed to tie your shoes every day and you get in and out of the bed, you're sitting on that same you know, side. And if that part has like bent down permanently and you find yourself kind of rolling out of the bed, um, then you need a new mattress. If you got a big crater right in the middle of the (laughs) the mattress that you, you roll into, you need a new mattress. It's not giving you the support that you need. What kind of support do you need? I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a sleep consultant at Mattress Man. I'm not one of the experts, but they can help you. Go on into any of their four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville, um, or you can go to their website, and uh, check out the inventory. But the sleep consultants in the stores can actually uh, match you with the right mattress for you. Because you can't spell mattress without match. It's true. Mattress. You, you can hear it right there in the... Okay. Um, well, you actually, you can spell mattress without the word match. I digress. You need to go to mattressmanstores.com. Check out the inventory. Check out the deals. Hybrid mattresses. they got a big blowout sale going on. Uh, they've got the triple zero financing deal. Zero money down. Zero APR for 24 months. Zero payments for 90 days. Uh, and uh, they deliver locally. Five-star local delivery. And uh, they, they do ship nationwide as well. Let them help you find the right bed for you. And rest assured, no pun intended, they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Okay, experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. Alrighty, so as coronavirus cases surge across America, the flu has seen a remarkable dip. This according to the Washington Examiner story from a few days ago. Reported cases of influenza reached record lows last week with fewer than 40 diagnoses. 
This would actually be uh, now, uh, during the week of December 13th through the 19th, because this story was published at the end of December, so about a week ago. So end of December, when you would expect to be seeing huge flu numbers, we're not seeing huge flu numbers. In week 51 of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's FluView data monitoring system, 36 positive flu tests were documented, <laughs> which is <laughs> so 36 positive cases, which is a little bit lower from the same week last year where there was 7,703 uh, cases. So just a little off. It goes from 7,700 down to 36. Uh, so I'm, look, I'm a, you know, I'm all about solutions here and I'm a glass half full kind of a guy. I'm the eternal optimist. <laughs> so I'm going to say that this is due to us apparently figuring out how to defeat influenza. Go us. Yay, America. Um, actually, I don't know. It may be worldwide, too. Yay, world. Good job, world. The positivity rate has sharply declined this calendar year as only 0.1% of tests taken came back positive. The five-year average for positive uh, tests is uh, just a little bit off. 15.8% positive. That is a big difference, folks. You're going from a, basically a 16% positive test rate over five years, an average over five years, 16%, and now it is 0.1%, a tenth of 1%. What? What is going on? Well, the Washington Examiner says that, you know, a lot of concerns were being raised uh, a couple months ago as we were going into the flu season about a twindemic, they were calling it, twindemic, where coronavirus uh, that pandemic, along with the seasonal increase in reported flu cases, that the, these would converge with catastrophic results. Some governors uh, are taking disease containment plans even further. They've shut down their states for the second time since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic began. California, New York, they began their second rounds of restrictions earlier in December. And according to the Johns Hopkins University coronavirus tracker, more than 19 million people in the United States have been diagnosed with the coronavirus to date, with more than 333,000 reported deaths attributed to the virus. So WXII-TV in Winston-Salem, they did a story on North Carolina's number, and North Carolina flu deaths are down 89% across the state. Why are flu deaths down so much? Great question, right? I feel like if we can figure out this answer, there might be some larger ramifications, you know, across America, across the healthcare industry, um, you know, regarding our pandemic response. And let, let's see what they figure out here. A possible explanation uh, includes... Uh, this, these are from their experts that they uh, they talked to. Doctors said one of this is one of the calmest flu seasons that they've ever seen. They said possible explanations include fewer people traveling, adherence to mask wearing and social distancing, and more Americans getting the flu shot. That's the reason why we have gone from a 16% positive test case uh, uh, ratio down to 
that's the reason is people aren't traveling as much. And so they're not getting the flu and people are wearing their masks a lot. And so they're not getting the flu and people are social distancing. And so they're not getting the flu and they're getting the flu shot. So they're not getting the flu. Now they're getting COVID. (laughs) They're getting COVID, even though they're apparently wearing. So get this. So the same people who were telling us that we're not masking hard enough, that we need to, you know, social distance more, we need more restrictions, more lockdowns. And by the way, all of this is driving down the flu, which is an airborne, that's an airborne virus, just like COVID-19, right? So just like the coronaviruses. So the things that are making us uh, safer from the flu are apparently, they don't seem to be working for COVID. Unless, of course, you're going to argue that things would be way worse. But then I don't understand why is COVID taking off and ravaging everywhere and everybody if the flu isn't as well? I don't know. It's maybe there's some other explanation. Could it be there's some other reason out there? Because this one, honestly, it's just it doesn't make a lot of logical sense to me that the masks and the distancing would somehow prevent the flu but is somehow not enough to keep us from locking everything down again. Because, you know, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, he keeps threatening us with more lockdowns. If we don't mask more, if we don't mask harder, then he's going to lock us down again. You know, the threats and the bullying and all of that. And now you've got more restrictions going into place. He dialed back uh, the capacity limits at uh, at restaurants and the like. So uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, might there be another explanation for why we are seeing so few flu deaths this year? Even after mild, I mean, that's what we're comparing this year's flu death count to the last year's and the previous year's. And those uh, those two years, they were very mild. They were very mild flu seasons. What could it possibly be? I feel like we're missing. I don't know. I feel like we're missing something. Now, if you're missing something from your shed or your garage, like a tool that you need in order to complete the job, don't worry. I have got the place to get the tool. And you don't even have to buy it. You just rent it from them. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They are at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. So easy to get to. Super easy to get to. And uh, you get the tool that you need. You take it home or you take it to the job site. You uh, you complete the project because now you got the right tool and they've told you how to use it correctly. So you get the job done correctly and uh, more and you know more rapidly because you know how to use the right tool. And then you bring it back to them. That's the fantastic part. You don't need to buy this tool that you're only going to use once. Right. Do you really have a need for uh, uh, to own an earth mover? Really? Like, do you need that? I'm not saying I'm not saying everybody doesn't. Some people do. But do you? Maybe you just need the earth mover for a little bit so you can move some earth so you can, you know, flatten out your driveway or, uh, you know, create that drainage uh, system to keep the water off of your property. Uh, And then you want to give it back. You don't need this earth mover any longer. Right. So turn it back in at General Equipment Rental. By the way, they are also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Okay, I know people are thinking, oh, well, it's wintertime right now. And that's true. It is wintertime. And if it snows, you might need a snowblower. But more importantly, uh, springtime is just around the corner. We're only a couple months away. And so you want to start thinking about what kind of power tools you didn't get for Christmas that you're going to want for uh, for uh, springtime. Go to General Equipment Rental. Go to their website, generalrents.com, and take a look at what they've got. Generalrents.com, whatever the project, General Equipment Rental has the tool that you need. 
general equipment rental in Weaverville. Think outside your toolbox. Samaritan's Purse is now constructing a 30-bed emergency field hospital outside of Caldwell UNC Healthcare in Lenore, or as I like to call it, Lenoir. Um, This to help address the rising numbers of COVID-19 patients in that region. The field hospitals also are going to serve the Appalachian Regional Healthcare System in Boone, Catawba Valley, Health Systems in Hickory, and Carolina's Healthcare System Blue Ridge in Morganton, uh, along with Fry Regional Medical Center in Hickory. So, by the way, for folks who have been saying, and I've heard them, folks who have been saying stuff like, uh, like, where are all the tents outside the hospitals? And they, they say this essentially to downplay the severity of COVID-19, right? Which I do not, by the way, I do not. I'm I'm watching to see what the, the data shows. And when hospitals start canceling elective procedures or non-emergency procedures, then you're going to know it's really bad. And in some places that has happened, by the way. But uh, when hospitals initially canceled all of these procedures in like, you know, March and April, remember, um, they realized that they were losing all sorts of money and they weren't filling up the beds. So then they opened it all back up again. So I don't want to I don't want us to go back to that. Um, and I think the hospitals have a better understanding now of, um, you know, of how to flex that space and the bed counts and stuff. But part of the real problem that the hospitals are facing is personnel that they've had, they've got a lot of personnel that are going out sick with COVID-19, for example, but they're going out sick. And then if they are around somebody, they got a quarantine that takes them out of the rotation too. So there are all these rules that have been put in place that are also acting as a constraint on, uh, on capacity in hospitals and in ICUs. Uh, but, uh, the, the key here is when do they start canceling the non-emergency procedures? And if they haven't done that, then, uh, no, I'm not concerned about an 85 to 90% capacity because that's normally what they should be running at, right? Hospitals need to be running at a capacity that is full enough to make money. (laughs) If they are not, they're losing money. So, I'm not generally concerned about 85 to 90 percent capacity. I am concerned if and we should be concerned if they are now canceling all of their non-emergency procedures and they are still at that capacity. Okay, so when Samaritan's Purse says they're going to set up a field hospital uh, in North Carolina, I think that is a cause for concern because they have learned uh, when and where to set these hospital tents up. And it seems like they would not devote these resources unless they were uh, concerned about the rising case counts. Patients receiving treatment at the field hospital are going to be limited to those who test positive for coronavirus, but don't need the support of a ventilator. Okay, Uh, Samaritan's Purse has built field hospitals in Italy, New York City and the Bahamas during the pandemic. But the Lenore facility is the first hospital in the second wave of virus cases. The hospitals reached out to Samaritan's Purse for assistance to provide some extra capacity for patients. That according to WRAL. Then there is this also from WRAL that the CDC ranks North Carolina lowest for vaccine distribution (gasps) no really even after that ridiculously complicated plan that they unveiled last week really they're not getting the vaccines to the people who need it quickly enough that's so weird so the cdc tracks and maps all of this okay and 
Uh, nationwide, more than 4.5 million people have received the first va- round of vaccinations. There are still 11 million doses distributed, which have not yet been used. North Carolina has vaccinated fewer than a thousand people out of every 100,000. Okay, so this is the the metric that they're looking at. How many people per 100,000? And we are at 966 per 100,000. Uh, that is that that's actually among the worst in America. That's like the lowest. There's only we're fewer than only five other states. So we're sixth worst in America. West Virginia has three times the number of vaccinations administered than we do. The vaccine distribution rate is among the 10th lowest for vaccines that have been distributed so far. Um, I would point out here also that according to the DHHS website itself, only 1% of the vaccine has gone to people over the age of 75 years old, which is nuts. Why have you only distributed the vaccine to 1% over the age of 75. How does that work? They're in the they're in the group 1A. This is the problem. This is what I have it here in the stack here. Where is it? Uh, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger. Remember this a couple of days ago? I guess it was a week ago. He said that Governor Cooper's vaccine distribution plan puts too little emphasis on age and is overly complicated, which is going to result in decreased confidence as well as line jumping. You know, you know what age demographic is getting the most doses of the vaccine? It's in the 25 to like 55 year old age range. That's nuts. Like the vast majority of people getting the vaccine are in that group. And then there's like uh, there's one percent 75 and older. And I think it's like 6% uh, that's like 55 and older, something like that. It's it's insane. He went on to say at the time, Phil Berger did, that uh, the prioritization scheme involves four phases, multiple sub-phases, and then multiple sub-sub-phases. The system places young, healthy college students and prisoners ahead of people in their early 60s. In fact, People in their early 60s are the last group to receive the vaccine under the proposed system. It also places young, non-healthcare workers ahead of people in their early 70s as well. And we have seen this all bear out. This is what's occurring right now. Meanwhile, you've got some places like, for example, New York State, where uh, Governor Andrew Granny Killer Cuomo Um, He's now threatening $100,000 fines to medical providers, vaccine providers, if they offer the vaccine to someone who's not in the top priority. So they've created a very complex system like North Carolina has done. So because think about why they're doing this, by the way. Right. They're doing this because they're trying to uh, to placate the social justice mob that is going to look at whatever categories they set up. And we went over this a couple of weeks ago where um, they started they started talking about who should get the vaccines first. And then there was this discussion about, well, if you're old and white, you've led a life filled with white privilege. And so therefore you shouldn't get the vaccine first. So basically white people go to the back of the line because of historical systemic racism, right? And so this is what the Democratic governors are uh, are trying to placate. They're trying to, you know, uh, to satisfy this wing of their party. Of course, you can never be woke enough for these people, but they keep trying. And uh, that's why they create this, this, you know, 
complicated prioritization list. And what that does is, Berger is correct, is it creates confusion. And so when you have hospitals now that get a you know big shipment of the the doses come in and uh, they've got a bunch of people that fit you know their their one A prioritization level, but then they have some extras. Like what do you do with these extras? Do you try to find the one Bs? Well, you're on a clock with these doses, right? You got to use them. They do spoil, so you got to use them. And this is why, like in uh, Israel, for example, at the end of the day, you show up at a clinic. Uh, and they just start vaccinating anybody. It's like, hey, you got, uh, you know, do you want a vaccine? We got a couple left over. Here you go. Boom, boom. Got to use them. So that's the way they're getting more people inoculated much more quickly than we are, because we're trying to, you know, placate all of these, uh, all of these mobs that will come for you if you give it to the wrong demographic, so to speak. And so Cuomo up in New York is now threatening fines to anybody that offers a vaccine to someone who's not in the top priority. Oh, and also he's going to fine you 100K as well if you have any vaccines left over. Like this is insanity. Government, get the hell out of the way. These medical institutions can figure this out on their own. In fact, they're better suited to figure it out than you are. Okay. You getting involved in telling the, the, the clinics how to run a mass vaccination, mass inoculation program is just asking for gridlock and stupidity. Government is not the one to do this. They're not the one. Unless you're going to take the whole stockpile and you're going to start administering them yourselves, get out of the way. Just get out of the way, which is what I tell people uh, when they... Uh, you know, use Rowena Patton to buy or sell a house. Just let her do her thing. Rowena and her all-star powerhouse team, they will get your house sold fast and they get it sold for more money. Uh, like seriously, uh, you meet with them. They're like, all right, here's what we need to do. Boom, boom, boom. House is sold. It happens like almost that fast. I mean, not like boom, 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 like three seconds there or two seconds, but it's very fast. This is why I always tell people start packing. When you call them, start packing because you're going to get under a timeline because they're going, to get you, they're going to get your household. They've got buyers already lined up, okay? That's how fast this happens. They have buyers lined up for you. Uh, if you're looking to buy a house, well, you can get on the buyer list, uh, but they also has, they have homes in all price points, okay? So buying or selling, call the only agent that I did, Rowena Patton, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Also, she's the only official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. Uh, that's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. She's given back about $800,000 so far to people in those five professions. So keep more of your own money, get your house sold, or buy your new home, all by calling Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Give them a call, and then, yes, start packing. So what else do we... Uh, oh, we have this. A pharmacist up in Wisconsin apparently threw away a whole bunch of vaccines. He believes that the world is, quote, crashing down. He told police that he tried to ruin hundreds of doses of coronavirus vaccine because he believed the shots would mutate people's DNA. This according to documents that were released this week, as reported by the Associated Press's Todd Richmond. Police in Grafton, which is uh, north of Milwaukee, 
arrested this pharmacist by the name of Stephen Brandenburg. And uh, this came after an investigation into 57 spoiled vials of the Moderna vaccine, which officials say contained enough doses to inoculate more than 500 people. I don't understand that math. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I do not understand that math. How 57 vials equals 500 doses. I guess there are 10. So 10 doses per vial or something, I guess. Um, anyway, the district attorney up there said that Brandenburg was upset because he and his wife are divorcing and that apparently uh, his colleagues at the uh, the pharmacy, they said that he had taken a gun to work twice. So red flags all around there. Um, not that the FBI would be able to spot any of these, of course, because it's the FBI after all. But um this comes from this guy's uh, conspiracy theory on the vaccines. This comes from apparently a rumor, a belief, a theory that has been out there for a while that this uh, uh, the vaccines will mutate and alter your DNA, which is not true. Apparently, experts say there is no truth to any of these claims uh, that vaccines genetically modify humans. This is uh, messenger RNA. Not DNA, it's messenger RNA, so mRNA is what they call it. And what the mRNA vaccines do is train the immune system to identify the spike protein on the surface of the coronavirus and create an immune response. So you've seen the, I'm sure you have, right? You've seen the graphic, the image of the coronavirus. It looks like a little ball. And it's got a little spiky things coming out. It's where they get the name, the corona, because it looks like a crown. Okay, so... Those little spiky things, those are proteins, apparently, and when they land in your system, they attach. Those those spikes make it very easy for the virus to attach. Uh, and so what the, uh, what the uh, vaccines do is they train, because apparently our cells, there's like a memory cell, and we remember, the cells remember stuff, so... They uh, they have a cold or a virus of some kind that comes into the body and the body's like, oh, my gosh, what is this? And then they fight it and they fight it. <clears throat> and uh, after they beat it, then they they remember this is how we beat that thing. But if they've never seen it before, they don't know how to respond. So the idea here is that you create the memory for this uh, for the body's cells without actually giving it the virus. And so now when the real thing enters, they're like, hey, we remember this idiot. This is that jerk coronavirus. Yeah, let's get it. And then they take it out. That's the idea. I know this is it's all very technical. I understand. I'm, uh, forgive me if you lost me with the uh, with the jargon that I am using. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Messenger RNA, mRNA. This pharmacist guy, Brandenburg, initially said that he had removed the viral uh, the vials to access other items in the refrigerator, and he had just forgotten to put them back. So he takes all of the vials of the uh, the vaccine out of the fridge, sets them on the counter, and leaves them there. Now, apparently, you can only leave these things out for a certain amount of time before they spoil, and he apparently left them out overnight on December 24th into December 25th, and then he put them back in the fridge, so... Anybody who got vaccinated that day with these vaccines, uh, they may have gotten nothing. Yeah, because it may have been uh, spoiled. Um, and then the night of the 25th into Saturday, he then takes them back out and 
uh, leaves him out again, and that's when he gets busted for it. According to an affidavit that his wife filed on December 30th, the same day Brandenburg was uh, arrested in the vaccine tampering, uh, that he had stopped off at her house and dropped off a water purifier and two 30-day supplies of food, telling her that the world was, quote, crashing down and that she was in denial. He said that the government was planning cyber attacks and was going to shut down the power grid. She added that he was storing food in bulk along with guns and rental units, and she no longer felt safe around him. Okay. Um, just first of all, I don't think it's fair to cite the guy's prepping as a reason to think that he's insane. Prepping makes sense, guys. It just makes sense. And generations, like human generations prior to basically Gen X, uh, they've all done this. Well, maybe the boomers. Maybe the boomers were the last ones to do it. Although, uh, the way they shop at Costco and such nowadays, uh, I'm thinking that they do have a bit of the, the, the hoarder prepper gene from past generations. Have you seen the shopping carts? They're massive. Anyway, um, this, is just, this is just smart to be prepared. And by the way, if you need help getting prepared, you know what I'm going to tell you, right? Yeah, Old Grouch's military surplus. Tim at Old Grouch's can help you set up your preparedness kits. So uh, whether you need it for a car, which is a great idea if you live in anywhere like we do here in Western North Carolina, where you get snow and ice, um, you know, people run their cars off the road all the time. And if the snow is bad enough, it may be a while before somebody can get to you. And if your car breaks down, you don't have a heater going. What are you going to do? So if you have one of his car emergency kits where you're going to get the little space blanket, you know, it looks like a tinfoil so you can wrap yourself up like a baked potato and uh, that keeps you warm. He's got rations that you can put into an ammo can for storage and this will keep hot or cold. So uh, you're, you're going to have food, you'll have uh, the blanket and you'll have a snow shovel. So you can, this is like the real U.S. military ones, not the cheap ones from China, um, you know, covered with COVID and stuff. I'm just kidding. I'm going to get to that also though. The yeah, there's a new recognition that, hey, maybe China uh, is kind of responsible for all of this. I'm going to get to that. Um, but you can get this emergency kit for your car. Old Grouch's military surplus. Also, uh, you know, larger prep kits uh, and emergency uh, supplies. Look, even the federal government recommends that you have two weeks of supplies in case of natural disaster. It just makes sense, okay? It just makes sense. So go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He is located in downtown Clyde on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com and tell them uh, that you heard it here on the podcast. So as I mentioned, the New York Magazine unveiled its piece uh, the other day called The Lab Leak Hypothesis. Uh, it's written by Nicholson Baker, and uh, as Jim Garrity at National Review calls it, a lengthy and detailed exploration of the possibility that the SARS-CoV-2 virus and ongoing coronavirus pandemic is uh, all the result of a lab accident in Wuhan, China. Yeah, never would have guessed, right? Really? You don't say? A lab in Wuhan? Wow, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> of course, people who listen to this show have already heard of it. We were talking about this back in April. Jim Garrity at National Review, I believe I, uh, I believe I read a lot of his work on this very matter. He's been tracing the roots of this back since the very beginning. So 
uh, Nicholson Baker's piece at New York Magazine goes even further and speculates that the reason that the virus is similar to many previously discovered viruses, but not quite the same, is that it may have been altered through a thing called gain-of-function experiments. I have not heard of this term before. Gain-of-function experiments. By the way, just a quick trip down memory lane here. NPR on December 31st put out a tweet that said, quote, 40 percent of Americans believe in a baseless conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a lab in China. (laughs) It's six days later and whoops, you guys might want to delete that tweet now. In other words, this theory from Nicholson Baker suggests that Chinese scientists wanted to study a particularly dangerous version of an existing virus. And so they deliberately accelerated a virus's process of growth and change in order to generate a more virulent and contagious version of it. This is what they call gain of function experiments. Gain of function. And so it gained growth it uh, the speed of growth it gained um what else here the growth and change to generate more virulent and contagiousness right so it could grow and it can spread much more quickly it gained those functions baker notes that coronavirus is similar to other viruses found in nature but it's way more contagious among humans and asks whether lab efforts might explain what makes coronavirus so easily spread this one covid19 uh, or the SARS-CoV-2, why does this one spread so easily? Here's what he says, quote, The zoonoticists say that we shouldn't find it troubling that virologists have been inserting and deleting furin cleavage sites and ACE2 receptor binding domains in experimental virus spike proteins for years. I have no idea what any of that means. It just sounds like they've been messing around with like the 12 Monkeys movie, you know, like, they were like, we're asking for it. Like they've been messing around with this kind of stuff. And they said, hey, no, this is not a big deal. You should not find this troubling. Virologists have been doing these things in laboratories before the pandemic. And that this was all supposed to be a sign of, you know, their prescience, right? That they, their ability to see what was coming. And so, look, we need to be working on these highly contagious viruses because when one hits, we need to be able to adapt. We need to be able to respond. Right. So it's it's proof of their their smartness, not of their stupidity. But Baker says, I keep returning to the basic puzzling fact. This patchwork pathogen, which allegedly has evolved without human meddling, first came to notice in the only city in the world with a laboratory that was paid for years by the U.S. government to perform experiments on certain obscure and heretofore unpublicized strains of bat viruses, which bat viruses then turned out to be, out of all the organisms on the planet, the ones that are most closely related to this disease. What are the odds? This is why it shows up as a natural virus, right? Because people have been saying, and, and you know, when I... Uh, talk to folks online or, uh, you know, take callers and such, they'll say, uh, you know, this was made in a lab that, you know, this, and and it's man-made. And 
and I've said to them, because I've read, you know, the research back in the very beginning, which the scientists were looking at the virus and they were saying, no, this doesn't have any of the the telltale signs of man-made uh, of a man-made genetic product. It's 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 natural. But this would explain how it basically satisfies both of these uh, criteria, right? That it is natural and it doesn't have any of these you know, hallmarks of a man-made genetic material. Well, why? It's because they're just doing these gain-of-function experiments. They're basically just souping it up. So it is a natural virus. But they wanted it to, to do stuff faster so they could study it and they could weapon... Oh, I'm just kidding. I No, there's no proof at this time that this is any kind of deliberate weaponization. In fact, from the very beginning, uh, I thought that the most likely explanation is that it leaked out of the lab somehow. It, it broke containment. That seems the most logical explanation. Again, I'm an Occam's razor kind of guy, which is why I love this line in the National Review piece by Jim Garrity, where he says Occam's razor. I know, it's like I'm in heaven right now. Um, there's a very, so this is a variation of the question, this idea like, what are the odds that this happens in the one city on the planet that has this lab that was looking at the virus working with these bats and the virus is connected to the bats like what are the odds of that happening i would submit very very low i don't think that you have the lab right next door to the wet market which by the way was ruled out as the source right everyone like china and the who and all of these people that theoretically are telling us the truth about where this thing started they were all like oh no no it didn't start in the wet market it didn't make this jump and you know mutate from these bats to some you know bloody mess that somebody then ingested and then spread as like that's not where it came from but then okay well where where did it come from well it's just it's a natural mutation that doesn't sound right at all there's a very so jim garrity says this question of what a coincidence this would be, uh, it has confronted the skeptics since the very beginning. The city of Wuhan had not one but two laboratories, the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the Wuhan Centers for Disease Control, both studying coronaviruses that originated in bats. And remember, there was a woman who was like, uh, what do they call her, the bat lady or something, like that was her nickname because of her work with these animals, with these flying rodents, Okay. Now, coincidentally, they, like, we're supposed to believe that that was all just coincidence, that these two labs both working with bats, and this is the place where all of it started. Occam's razor instructs us that when you have two competing theories that make exactly the same predictions, the simpler one is the better one. The most obvious explanation is generally the correct one. Not always, but usually. It's the safer bet. Baker, the author of this piece at New York Magazine, is pretty blunt about the fact that many scientists have had these suspicions or concerns since the beginning of the pandemic. But get this, they didn't want to speak publicly about the possibility of a lab accident while the Trump administration was touting the same idea. And that the uncomfortable questions of origins began to grow somewhat more discussable now that Trump has lost. I hate these people. I, I like and I don't I don't hate generally like I can loathe and dislike people. I can be nonplussed as it were. But hate. I generally don't hate people. I hate these people. 
These people who denied and refused to discuss the origins at a time when you could actually do something about it, when you could actually get in there and get evidence, right? These people who refused to discuss it because Trump was saying it. Oh my gosh, you can't call it the Wuhan virus because that's racist. You got to make everything about Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump says, oh, it's, you know, 1 p.m., therefore uh, it's daylight. No, it's not. Impeach him. He's saying it should be daylight. Like, this is the insanity of Trump derangement syndrome. And by the way, people who, you know, believe everything he says because he's Trump, they're, they're just as bad, right? They're just as bad. I don't subscribe to this idea that politicians are our saviors, that elected officials are going to be our saviors in this stuff, in anything. Okay, they're not. They're human beings. They're fallible. They make mistakes. They say dumb things. They do some smart things. But generally speaking, elected officials are not going to be your savior. And they're also not the, uh, the source of all of your ills and all evil in the world. Uh, and unless, yes, unless it's Hitler. Hitler, Pol Pot, Stalin, Marx, Lenin, uh, Mao Zedong, right? So, yeah, I mean, with limited exceptions throughout world history, okay? But generally speaking, generally speaking, um, it is welcome and refreshing that New York Magazine now acknowledges that the question of the virus's origins has not yet been answered. And this legwork, the interviews that Baker did in his investigation is exhaustive. But, he says, there's something a little infuriating about how the question that was once largely dismissed by elite media circles as a crazy conspiracy theory can now be examined and taken seriously in a mainstream publication one year later. For a long stretch, in many circles, such speculation was either ignored or even labeled xenophobic or racist scapegoating. New York Magazine reaches a different audience from National Review. National Review, conservative audience. New York Magazine, liberal audience. And Garrity says, look, it's good that a more left-of-center audience will now be exposed to all of this evidence and the arguments about this possibility. The possibility of a lab accident should not be seen as another crackpot conspiracy theory in a year full of them. And this really gets to... Uh, sort of the, the larger mask slippage uh, that has occurred in our society for our institutions and our elites. Uh, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you about the CBD product that I take every night before I go to bed. Uh, even when I don't, like last night, I only slept for like six hours. Uh, I just, I went to bed late and got up early, uh, but I still feel fine. I still feel rested. Uh, yes, it's my bed for Mattress Man, but also it's the CBD oil because I always had a problem. I would lay down and I couldn't get my mind to shut off basically for like an hour before I fell asleep. But now I take Rower's Hemp CBD oil about 15 minutes before I go to bed, just a couple of drops uh, under the tongue. And uh, when I lay down, I fall asleep so much faster. So what are you looking for? Okay, if you're looking for CBD products to help you somehow, uh, then I recommend Growers Hemp. I take the full spectrum hemp extract, add it to your daily routine, and uh, you're looking for a better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, immune system resilience, whatever your reason on on your wellness journey. Let Growers Hemp help you. They are North Carolina farmers, and uh, so they're family farmers. This isn't like some big agricultural business, right? This is just uh, Growers Hemp family farmers that were like, hey, why don't we grow hemp and control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf, and this way you get better quality for a lower price. Go to their website, growershemp.com, use the promo code PETE for 20% off. 
And now the time for the disclaimer that GovCo requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growers Hemp. GrowersHemp.com. Promo code PETE. 20% off from North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp. It is about the hemp and not the hype. So back to this piece from Jim Garrity at National Review. He says China is getting away with it. Lab accidents, they happen all the time, okay, including ones involving dangerous pathogens. He says in 2018, U.S. visitors to the Wuhan Institute of Virology warned of a, quote, shortage of the highly trained technicians and investigators required to safely operate a biosafety level four lab and Lack of clarity in related Chinese government policies and guidelines. Other Chinese labs have had all kinds of unethical behavior, including selling lab animals on the black market and chronic inadequate management issues at laboratories, including problems with biological disposal. Now, reportedly, intelligence indicates that cell phone use in the Wuhan Institute of Virology stopped for three weeks back in October 2019, which may or may not indicate some sort of problem or precaution. Finally, the Chinese government has lied about the transmission of the virus from the very beginning, which means their vehement denials of any lab accident mean absolutely nothing. Right. So if you can't trust them because of the way they behaved, uh, you know, dishonestly that we know of when they say then that, oh, no, this had nothing to do with anything we were doing in the lab. um, You can't believe that either. I don't trust the Chinese government on any of this because they're communists and you can't trust communists and you can't trust government. You really can't trust communist governments. So um, finally, he says there is the unnerving possibility that a lot of people with significant responsibilities in government, in academia, and in media, did not want to look too hard at the lab leak possibility because of its far-reaching ramifications, right? And this is what I believe is the truth. Like, people, denial is very powerful, okay? I I think you see a lot of this um, at play right now in America and all over the world when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to coronavirus and COVID-19, I do. I think a lot of people are in denial. There are people who are in denial that it is this bad, uh, or as bad as it is, I should say, that the virus itself can be deadly. I think there are a lot of people that are in denial about that. They keep calling it nothing worse than the flu, but it is worse than the flu. Um, and so they're in denial about that. I think there are a lot of people also that are in denial uh, about masks, right? They think that the masks uh, can save them from COVID-19, and they can't. They think that if this other person just would do more, you know, then then they would be protected somehow, and I won't get it if you did your job, right? So they're in denial about the contagiousness of the virus. So there's a, it's a very powerful emotion. It's, uh, it's sort of a normalcy bias, right? The idea that that we're that things are normal and this is what we recognize as normal and usual and then when something comes along that is disruptive to that that doesn't fit within that category we have to dismiss it because it's easier to do that than it is to confront because confronting it is going to be a challenge it's going to be painful you're going to have to make sacrifices that sort of stuff so this, I think, is a very important point that, that we have institutions in America uh, and all over the world that have failed 
because of normalcy bias and denial. They did not want to look at this for whatever reason. Uh, and they all I'm sure there are various reasons for it. But if this uh, negligence from the Chinese government lab released a virus that killed, as of right now, almost two million people around the world, then um, that's going to cause a pretty big backlash against China and the Chinese government. Okay, and you're going to have people that are going to want to settle that score. And there are going to be a lot of people that are going to want to do no business with China ever again. There are going to be a lot of people that hold China directly responsible, as I do, by the way, as I do. I've been saying this from the very beginning. There are a lot of people that are looking for other humans to blame for COVID-19. And uh, if you if you need to blame human beings for it, I blame the virus. Uh, but I also recognize that China probably was involved in unleashing this thing on the world, whether intentionally or not, whether they were messing around with it in a lab or, you know, or not. Uh, but they were uh, they are to blame for for how quickly it spread at the minimum, at the minimum. So if you are looking for a human to blame, China is a pretty good place to start. Plus, they're communists. It's always easier and more fun, let's be honest, to blame communists. I mean, really, like, think about it. In Hollywood, uh, when, you know, we couldn't make movies about Middle Eastern terrorists, what did they do? They all went for, like, former Soviet bloc nations, these, you know, white commies. That's what they did, right? These old white commies that were trying to get the USSR back together again, you know? They were, they were an easy villain to craft. So... Um, here you go. You've got communists that really that unleash this uh, virus uh, on the planet, killing two million people. OK, but I think there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable by that prospect, by accepting, I should say, the prospect of accepting that as the truth. Right. The consequences would make the Soviet management or mismanagement of Chernobyl look like a firecracker accident, Garrity says. The rage at Beijing would not subside for a generation. It would be too great for any government to maintain a normal diplomatic relationship with the Chinese government. Many voices far and wide would demand Beijing pay reparations. And we all know how well Xi Jinping and the hardliners in Beijing respond to criticism and confrontation. Right. This is the guy uh, President Xi, this is the guy who uh, throws people in jail for comparing him to Winnie the Pooh, because he got, he does kind of look like Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> just his, well, I mean, his stature, his body type, he has the same sort of, the cut of his jib, if you will, is very similar to Winnie the Pooh. They shut down websites and social media accounts that, that uh, make this comparison, right? That's how they respond to that level of criticism. Can you imagine if the world is blaming them for two million deaths as of right now? So um, if the lab leak hypothesis is the truth, Jim Garrity says, no doubt some people would prefer that the virus's origins always remain a mystery. That, to me, is the most egregious part of all of this, is that you've got people in America and institutions in America that have been ignoring this story. Right now, I'm not saying that China 
uh, or Chinese uh, scientists, you know, deliberately manufactured a virus and then went out and, you know, spread it among the world uh, in order to kill off a whole bunch of people. Right. I, I'm not making that allegation. I don't find that to be actually a plausible explanation or uh, or theory, because the the harm done to China, I think, would be much greater uh, unless they're like trying to instigate a complete, you know, World War Three Armageddon. And I don't think they are. So it seems to me the most likely explanation was they were messing around in the lab with this stuff because that's what they do in these two labs, messing around with bat viruses. And I, I don't know why, but they're constantly in pursuit of this stuff. And it got out. And it makes sense if it's so highly contagious, right? And you've got a lab that's already been cited for failing to meet, you know, minimum standards of safety and such. Uh, it makes sense that it would break containment. And if I remember correctly, from a year ago almost, um, there was reporting done at the time of uh, people who went missing. Right. They just vanished. Uh, and that's what commie governments do as well. But they the, the thought was that uh, uh, that these were scientists, people that were working in these labs and they then just go missing. And the thought is they died and or they fled. But chances are they died. And then they're looking to hire people. They got want ads. I've seen the screenshots of want ads from uh, f uh, for uh, to fill positions at these labs right around the same time. And so maybe the virus broke containment because somebody wasn't following all of the safety protocols. Uh, you know, maybe they weren't wearing one of Governor Cooper's recommended cloth face masks at the time. Right. Maybe they were standing four feet apart rather than six feet apart. And then they caught it and then they went home and then they coughed on somebody and boom, there it goes. Because you guys had in had uh, had been tweaking this virus to make it grow even faster. This gain of function experimentation. Think that's possible? I think it's the most obvious explanation. But what do I know? Right. I'm just a podcaster. Thanks for listening to this podcast, by the way. That is a wrap for the episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a positive review if you don't mind. I appreciate that. And consider becoming a patron of the program. All of the links are at thepetecalendarshow.com. Thanks for listening and the support. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 